it's uncertain. Um, when all of this happened, you know, we, we initially just sort of thought to ourselves, there's no way that this project is going to happen now. You know, but the reality is we're half built. So that was a shock for us because um, now it's, it's sort of, you know, just the great unknown. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The impact of the COVID-19 pandemic has created a lot of uncertainty about the future of the hospitality sector. What kind of restaurants will we see? What kind of experiences will we desire? Vicky Wilde is one of the world's best restaurateurs. Together with partner and one of the world's best chefs, Martin Ben, they took sepia to dizzying heights. With a string of accolades, they made the top 100 list of the world's best restaurants. In the middle of creating their next restaurant at 80 Collins Street, touted by many as an establishment Australia has never seen, a global pandemic changed the landscape underneath their feet. Vicky, how are you going? I'm great, and you? I'm good, thank you. I wonder if we could start by just, um, if you could give us an image of um, what the immediate impact on you was in that first few weeks when the pandemic and the lockdown happened? Yeah, um, to be honest, I think I was in denial about it all in the very beginning, you know, thinking the media was blowing everything out of proportion. And so it didn't really hit me at first. Um, and I, I, I don't think it actually hit me until they announced um, the four square metre rule. Uh, and I saw the reality of what a, a busy restaurant um, like Chin Chin could look like, you know, with very few tables. And then I think the impact, you know, really hit home to me. I, I, I understood at that point that, you know, this was really happening. Um, and just over the course of a few days, the cafe where I get my coffee every day was doing, you know, virtually no business because all of the corporate customers were working from home. And every day it just got emptier and emptier. And then uh, I remember being in the head office here at um, Lucas and the devastation at the group when they had to stand the staff down. You know, everyone understood the situation, but they just all seemed so lost. Um, and you know, it, really, it really hit all of us you know, really hard. It was actually quite difficult to watch um, without getting emotional. And then the uh, emptying of the city, uh, it just seemed to happen so fast. It was really surreal. And I guess because, you know, we're looking at the industry now from the sidelines because we're not actually in our own restaurant. Um, and I look around at what everyone in the industry is doing and I'm just, I just, I can't believe it. I'm so astounded at how our peers are, you know, adapting and being so flexible. It just makes me so proud, you know. I think it's... You know, it's, it's really, really incredible because Martin and I are often talking about, you know, how we would have handled it and how, you know, what we would have done. And I think, you know, we, how would we manage financially when, 
you know, while everything is in lockdown and how would we manage financially when business re-emerges? Um, and we've been over these scenarios time and time again. You know, and I think that, you know, the, the recovery, you know, it's going to be difficult, I know that, but what I do know is that we will get through it. Um, I, I must admit, I, I, it makes me kind of heartbroken to think that, you know, some people won't survive because I know how much sacrifice you make to run a small business and how devastating it must be, you know, to, to have to lose something that, you know, you've, you've built. Because we understand what it's like to close a restaurant. It's really hard and it's actually harder than opening. But, but it's probably one of the hardest things that, that we've ever had to do. But that was our decision and, you know, we were in control of that. So to, to close in this way, I can't even contemplate, you know, when, you, when you're not in control, it's, it's just all about survival and looking after your people. Um, yeah, it, it's really quite heartbreaking and devastating, Huckstep. I can't, I, I still don't think it's actually hit me, to be honest. When, I remember talking to you a lot in the days when you had sepia and obviously I had a little bit of involvement in the book that you and Martin put out and I got to know you guys fairly well during that period. And, you know, you had, an, you know, arguably Australia's best restaurant at the time and, um, you know, and it was on the global stage and yet the margins were so slim. And I guess just listening to you now, you know, that feeling that trying to survive through something like this when margins are slim in the, in good trading periods, it paints um, a difficult picture for what might happen in the future and the state of the industry once we get through this. Uh, yeah, you know, I guess um, I think I think a lot will have to change in our industry. To to be honest, because even when I look back at you know how. Um, how we started our business. I mean, we we were we were kind of naive, um, and you don't open a restaurant like Sepia um, for for money alone. And I, I think if if this pandemic has taught us anything, is that you know we've we really have got to be financially sustainable. We really do have to have you know a, a good business plan, um, and it's it's not a folly uh, because people's lives are at stake. And, you know, to be honest with you, you know, good, right, wrong or indifferent, the great majority of people go into the business and restaurant businesses with the right intent. Um, I don't think anybody ever um, goes into this sort of business to, you know, for any other reason except... That I guess we're creative people at heart and, um, you know, we're, we're just following our passion and we just love to look after people and we accept that the margins are slim. But I don't think we ever really think about the risk because we don't ever really think that something like this is going to happen. Um, and maybe we need to think about that in future. Now, you and Martin and, and Chris... Lucas have been working on a project at 80 Collins Street for quite some time now, and uh, that was due to open this year. What's the current situation with the restaurant and the plan, given the uncertainty of the landscape once we get through this? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's uncertain. Um, 
we, when all of this happened, you know, we, we initially just sort of thought to ourselves, there's no way that this project is going to happen now. You know, but the reality is we're half built, um, or more than half built. Um, but, you know, in, in, from a business perspective, um, from the group's perspective, you know, the, the, their, their existing restaurants, um, you know, rightfully so, are priority right now. So that was a shock for us because um, now it's, it's sort of, you know, just the great unknown. And, you know, naturally there'll be delays, um, you know, much further. Um, and so much, so much has to happen before, you know, that even happens. You know, there's, there's, there's got to be cash flow within the group for, you know, for us to be able to, you know, to continue with the project. But, you know, Martin and I are just keeping our heads down. We're just continuing to, you know, to work and we're probably doing creative things that we wouldn't ordinarily get time to do. So I guess from that perspective, you know, it, it's really good. But, you know, we've... we've what, what are some of those? Uh, well, we're actually looking at, uh, you know, more recipes. I mean, Martin has been incredible about the, you know, the amount of creativity, creativity and recipe development that he's done in the past 12 or so months. I didn't think he had another space in his brain for anything, but he's um, <laughs> he's certainly he's certainly moving on. Um, but also, too, you know, we've got to keep other people motivated because we've already assembled our key team, and you know they're really eager to get going, and everything's kind of on hold. But we, you know, with everything up in the air, you know, we just want to keep everybody thinking creatively because, you know, chefs and restaurant people. But, they want to work. They want to do things. It's not about being, um, you know, in a job per se. They just need to be kept busy, especially chefs. You know, they, they don't want to lose touch. So um, none of us expect that anything's going to happen really quickly. Um, and whilst, you know, we all want to, re, you know, for this to happen quickly, um, we have to be make sure that we're re-emerging, for want of a better word, carefully and thoughtfully because, you know, we've got a long way to go yet. But we are really optimistic for the future. Um, thankfully, people love restaurants and the social nature of them. So, you know. Um, what is it that you love about restaurants? And I know talking to you in the past, you've always talked about creating magic for people and taking them out of their everyday lives and creating something special and wowing them. Now, what, what is it about restaurants that you love? I think for me it's always been about the energy and the atmosphere, um, just that excitement. Um, and I've, I've always had that. You know, I've always been intoxicated by the atmosphere and the magic, the things that happen in restaurants. Um, and, you know, magic does happen and it, it's not always, you know, the, the food. But I think also, too, it's, it's the fact that it's, it's about people. Um, and people in restaurants, you know, they care. And they're really, they're, they're really, really creative. Um, and I think what I really still 
love and miss so much about restaurants is just that that unknown, you know, that that's that's start of service when you when you you know that anything can happen tonight. You know, it's never the same. And you always get that sort of pre-service tension or, you know, nervousness because you just never know which way it's going to go. And no matter how perfect your team is and how well-trained, anything can happen in a night. And I think I, I kind of like that excitement, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Mm. What are some of the great dining experiences or restaurant experiences that you've had? Oh, God. Um, so many. Um, and if, if I think about um, the great restaurant experiences that, that we have had, it's always about that atmosphere and the excitement and the service. And it's actually usually about the service. Obviously, the company you're with is a great thing because if you, it, you could be dining at the, at the world's best restaurant you know, and if the company's not great, you just don't have a good time, no matter how good the food is. But, <laughs> yeah. but I think, um, you know, uh, I, I think for Martin and I, the best experiences we've ever had is always about atmosphere. I mean, we've had some amazing food in Japan, and usually it's in those small, you know, convivial, family-run restaurants, opposed to fine dining, um, as opposed to fine dining, I mean. Um, and dining in New York is always memorable because it's exciting, you know, it's fun. And, you know, we were just there in February, you know, when, when all of this was just starting. And, you know, we, we, we came back and we thought about, you know, what was the, what was the, the best experience. And, you know, we, we went to an, a, a little Italian restaurant in the village and there was a waiter um, and his name was Matty. And he just read us perfectly and he knew that we were, he had it nailed that we were obviously restaurant industry people and he just kept us laughing the entire night. Um, and it's just something, you know, like you, you remember their names. And, uh, you know, a year ago when we were in um, New York again at the Grill, we had this incredible, very New Yorky waiter called Justin who just made our night and, you know, so you remember their names. Um, and at La Bernadette, there's a guy called Tommy who just is a classic New Yorker as well. And you know, I think it's people like that. You know, like it—it's it, the staff, it's the people that make those experiences what they are. I think, or well, certainly for us. Do you think this pandemic and the lockdown and the fact that we don't have restaurants to enjoy anymore is going to shed a new light on? the front of house and, and service in Australia? Um, look, without blowing my own trumpet, I, you know, I know that my customer service has been, you know, for the most part, really highly appreciated. Um, you know, with the, with the guests as well as, the, you know, the, the teams that I've worked with. Um, and, you know, our, our, our guests our regular guests from CPO, you know, they, they still email me all the time asking, when are you going to open? How are you? You know, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, they're really, really loyal people. It's quite special. Um, as I said before, the most fun we've ever had in restaurants is because of great service. 
You know, we don't go out to analyze and critique the food. Life is too short for that. Um, so, look, whether it's, it, sometimes maybe it doesn't need to get recognized and then that's really good service. But I think, you know, people go back to restaurants because they know people, they get recognized, they get looked after, you know, they're, they're treated special. Restaurants are special, you know, um, especially the sort of restaurant that, you know, we've been involved in. You and Martin have uh, done some pretty incredible things together and you're partners in real life and you've uh, run restaurants together. You looking after the front of house and operations and Martin being the culinary genius that he is. Um, how, how do you work together? <laughs> do you know we get asked that <sighs> so often? Um, we've, the truth be known is we've, we've sort of really only ever worked together so it that's what works for us. When we don't work together, the dynamic's just not right. I remember when we went to Hong Kong um, and uh, the company that we were consulting to over there sort of put, put us in different directions. I was working in um, on the island and Martin was working in TST and um, we were on the phone with each other, you know, like 25 times a day. Um, so, you know, I mean, we we sort of feed off each other. And thankfully, where we're working here in Melbourne, I think, you know, Chris and his, you know, management team, at first they sort of thought that it was, you know, kind of unusual that they'd ask one of us a question and ask the other a question and get the exact same response. <laughs> um, so they now, they now sort of look at us as if, okay, if you're asking Martin something, you're asking both of them. If you're asking Vicky something, you're asking both of them. So they kind of understand that they're, you know, that they're talking to the one person. Because we both really understand the front and the back of restaurants and we're both equally interested in, in, the, in, in the other, um, I don't know, you know, we're, we're really lucky actually that we, that we do enjoy working together. Um, it, it, it's strange and I don't expect people to really understand it, but it works for us. It really does. It doesn't work when we're not together. Do you think that this uh, experience will change what you'll do with the project once everything gets started again? Um, no. It really, to be honest, it won't. Um, I don't. Our vision for this uh, restaurant uh, was always to be a more accessible restaurant, so that hasn't changed. Um, you know, we certainly have to, honestly, you know, just day by day, have to look at how things are unfolding and how, you know, as things start to open, just see, you know, what the reaction is. But. Um, Look, we've never we've never really wanted a restaurant. Even when we had CPO, we didn't want it to be about a chef's philosophy. You know, we didn't want it to be a narrative-driven concept. You know, we've we've never had an intention of being a stiff fine dining restaurant, and that you know where you can hear a pin drop. We've just never wanted that. Um, so from that aspect, it hasn't changed. You know, all we've ever really wanted was a, a really busy, energetic, exciting restaurant, you know, like the ones that we enjoy. So, you know, I guess um, will it be – our vision hasn't changed. No, it hasn't. 
Could, I wonder, um, you may not want to answer this in too much detail because I know that you like to keep your cards close to your chest in regards to the project and um, mm. you've, you know, delivered some of the information out there on what it's going to be. But can you tell us about what the vision is for the restaurant and what we can expect? I knew you'd <laughs> ask something like that. Um, well, the vision is, and this might sound really um, strange, but we what we want is a, a real restaurant. Um, so, because, you know, I guess at heart, Martin is, and as you well know, he's, he's a fairly shy character. He, he doesn't, um, he doesn't, uh, he takes a while to sort of, um, get to know people and, and get comfortable. He just sort of puts his head down and lives in a bubble. But, um, so I think, you know, we, he's never really been very comfortable with, you know, being in the in the limelight, it's always me that's sort of pushing him to do things that he doesn't really want to do. But um, and, he, and whilst he understands, you know, that he has to do some things, it's not something that he's terribly comfortable with. So he, you know, even from the get go, you know, when we when we opened our own business, you know, we 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 really wanted a real restaurant that was buzzy and had regulars, and you know, that people really wanted to come to to be convivial, and you know, to enjoy and to you know, for all of that sort of thing. And I guess if the food was great, then that was a bonus, um, you know. So, but but you know, we we opened in the GFC, so. We had to listen. We had to listen to our, you know, our clientele, our customers, um, and we we learnt, you know, to adapt um, because we we saw the reality and the possibility of failure in our first year. Um, so, um, you know, and looking looking back, we kind of went into a survival mode. You know, we just put our heads down and got on with it, and that. I suppose appealed to Martin because you know he could just kind of stay in the kitchen and uh, you know just do what a chef does. And then when we got recognised internationally, or you know, and Martin became you know, well known on the, on an international scale, you know, we certainly didn't begrudge it because you know, like it's an amazing, incredible thing. But um, you know, he uh, there's a certain expectation. When, when you do that, when you do become renowned, um, and he he was he just never really wanted to get on that um, you know that chef forum bandwagon. Um, that there's absolutely nothing wrong with anybody else doing it. We we totally understand it, but it's just not his shtick, if you know what I mean. It's just not what drives him. And I think he felt really um, polarised by, you know, having to do that. So, um, and in a way, you know, he, he, he sort of begrudged that side of the business uh, because he's only ever really wanted to be a chef in his restaurant and run, you know, that kind of place. So I suppose when we got to the end of Sepia, you know, the notion for us that, you know, we, we wanted to, to change and do a different type of business was really going back to the fact that, you know, Martin, he doesn't want to be on that merry-go-round. He, he, we enjoy our life and we've got so many interests outside of restaurants. 
that you know we've we've always wanted to have that work-life balance. Um, and you know, for the future, for us, you know, the the whole thing that made sense about us joining, you know, the group was, you know, the, in a way, and it sounds strange to say, is that we felt like we've bought ourselves another ten or fifteen years because we can really grow as restaurateurs. We can, you know, we can train people and we can mentor and, you know, we can be really good role model to the future, um, and and. And that's what we want, you know. And so with, with, there was no expectation from Chris or the group here that Martin had to be that sort of celebrity chef. And it was quite the opposite, actually. And so that was one of the, you know, the, one of the big decision makers because he just doesn't want to be that sort of person. I think he you know, probably quietly envies people and other chefs that can do that. But you, but you, you either are or you aren't. And, you know, he's much more comfortable not being that person. So this restaurant really is, we've, we've gone back to what we originally wanted sepia to be, and that's about the guests, about the people that dine there, about giving them options, about making it exciting, making it fun, making it convivial, you know, uh, not there to critique, not there to tick a box and say, I've been there and... You know, so so I think you know we feel like we're come full circle in terms of the restaurant that we want because sepia end up being something we didn't really want uh, because we had to kind of survive in the global financial crisis. So it's funny how that happens, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think um, real restaurants is what people are going to want on the other side of this. That real engagement. Yeah, I mean, look. That's how humans are wired, you know. I mean, gone are the days where, I mean, when you look at it now, you know, you think, God, it, it, uh, the things that used to disappoint me the most about um, a restaurant and when you do have any sort of, you know, um, uh, when you do get awards or there's an expectation is that you, you it, it seems to bring out the worst in diners in a way is that, you know, you, they, they seem to be there to really to, to, to more or less to critique you rather than to enjoy. And I, I, I don't want to be that sort of restaurant because from a front of house perspective, I love restaurants and I love excitement and I love drama and I would much prefer somebody to be, you know, a pain in the ass than somebody not talk to me, you know. It, uh, I just, I love the, I, I love the dialogue. Um, so, you know, that's the sort of restaurant I want. I want conviviality. I want fun. I want, you know, um, I want the guests to enjoy going there and to return and return and return again. Um, so, yeah, hopefully the circle will be complete at some point. <laughs> I want to pick up on something that you said a few moments ago, and that was about being mentors for the next generation. And I know that um, speaking to Martin as well, that both of you are very intent on this new project, you know, about developing the next generation and creating real career paths and helping them to understand how to create a business and how to create a career in the industry. Um, what's what's the advice that you could give to the, the young people in the industry at the moment? Um, that this is... Look, it's a great career. Why would you want to work in an office when you can work in a restaurant? 
and especially the way you know the industry has gone recently with you know um, working hours and you know um, you know standardizing all of that I mean it, it's it's not about the grind anymore you know once upon a time it was really about you know oh my god if you go into hospitality you're gonna have to work doubles you're gonna have to work you know ridiculous hours you know and so so that's a good thing that's sort of that's sort of come out of the last couple of years but you know and I'd like to just say to to people not so much chefs because chefs I guess see it differently that you know this is a real career and the reason why we love our visa workers so much and why we're desperately trying to support them right now is because they have a different mindset this is a career to them you know it's respected you know I can't tell you the amount of people that uh, you know over the years have said to me oh you work in a restaurant what do you do and so well it's hard to describe what I do but I'm front of house oh you're a waiter and then they just dismiss it like it's you know like it's not a real career and it it's so wrong so you know if, you know if I, I used to always say to my staff at sepia you know like just think about it guys you guys are really well rewarded in fact think about the fact that you know you you, you could quite possibly be earning most of the people that are dining here so it's a great career um you know and I would really love to be able to give career opportunities to, you know, to, to younger people in the industry because a lot of the, you know, the young trainees that, that we've had in the past have just been the most amazing people. And, you know, part of the attraction of joining in the group was to show and to demonstrate that, you know, you can still be working in this industry when you are in your 50s or in your 60s even. Um, and groups like this can provide career paths because, you know, you can, you can start out being a waiter or being, you know, a, a kitchen hand. And, you know, in three years' time, you might be working in HR or in marketing or, you know, something else. Um, so I, I think that, you know, and that's what Martin wanted to, wanted to really do is that you know, he he knows that he has a use-by date as a, as a chef behind a stove and he doesn't want to be a chef behind a stove anymore. He wants to be a mentor and a leader and to be able to train people and to be able to, you know, um, look back and say, you know, that's why I did all that hard work because now I can see the results of that and, you know, something to make you really proud. Like, doesn't, isn't that a good thing? Absolutely. The, um, there's no doubt that the current circumstances are incredibly challenging and there's always been issues in the hospitality industry that you've had to deal with that, um, that may be historical or come up with, as you mentioned, with wages. Uh, what, do you, what good do you think will come out of this situation on the flip side? Um, it, as I said before, you know, uh, I really do believe that the great majority of restaurant operators have a good intent and a good honest intent to do the right thing. But like all businesses and not just restaurants, um, some, there are some that don't and that is a shame. But I think there'll be a greater awareness now that restaurants are a, a real business, just like any other real business. 
like I said, it can't be a folly because there's just too much at stake. You know, the past couple of years have been really catastrophic for restaurants in a way that, you know, most of the general public, you know, wouldn't understand and I don't expect them to. And it's really easy for somebody to sit back and say, we should know this and we should know that and, you know, we should have done things this way and you should have learnt that before you opened a business. And, you know, they're, prob they're probably right. But maybe this crisis, in a way, and I, I don't say this lightly, but maybe this is, is the big corrector, you know, because, the, you know, the, the future of restaurants is, is really about changing the model and being sustainable in a holistic way. And by that I mean financially sustainable as well because people's lives, as I said previously, are at stake. You know, small creative businesses are not normal businesses. If you open a fine dining restaurant, a small fine dining restaurant for the money alone, I mean, who would you be kidding? Because, you know... Being a chef is like any other form of the arts. One plus one doesn't always equal two. And I, I think if you, know, if you look at it this way, when you're dining in the restaurant at 7.30 at night, the chefs in the front of the house haven't clocked on at 6 o'clock you know, to start preparing. So you know, I think to fix this, you know, we need much greater understanding of our industry at government level because whilst everyone wants a 24-7 economy, nobody really wants to pay for it. That's a very, very good point, and um, and it's and amazing. On a lighter note, how are you going to feel when you first swing open the doors of the new restaurant? Oh, um, uh, nervous again. Um, of course, I'll be nervous because that's what I'm looking forward to. You know, those pre-service tension nerves. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing all of our old guests or all of our regular guests because, you know, I remember so vividly at that last couple of weeks at, at Sepia, you know, when some of our regulars were, were leaving, you know, they were just, they were visibly upset. You know, it was, it, was, it was really emotional because, you know, a lot of them were saying to us, you know, this is our restaurant. We have our anniversary here every year, you know. Or our birthdays here, or our kids' birthdays. You know, it's part of their life. And many, people, many of those guests, you know, actually even had their own table. You know, they wouldn't sit anywhere else. It was, it, the restaurant was just like that. You know, over 10 years you see marriages and divorces and babies and you know, death. You know, it's, it's really personal. And I can't wait to do all that again. <laughs> I really can't. You're amazing. Um, thank you so much for today. Um, and you know what? Um, you're amazing too and I can't thank you enough. And, you know, people like yourself and, you know, the incredible Danny Valent who I listen to on your podcast, you know, it, 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 I know that the, the vast majority of the, of the media and the food media you know, are doing their best, but your unwavering support of our industry is appreciated by so many. It really means the world. Thanks for choking me up, Vicky. Mm. <laughs> we'll talk soon, hey? Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. 
Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPO community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Stay safe, isolate and be well. <laughs>